I guess there was a number of number of years ago that um, I'm I'm not the world's greatest mechanic. It, in fact, I'm not a mechanic of any description, actually. So as a, as a young man, when I'd been loaned uh, an old, old uh, Toyota Camry, it was, a, it was a beautiful car. It was amazing. It was automatic. It was automatic, which was a step up from my last one, which was a Renault I used to borrow. It was fantastic, too. It had second and fourth gears. Um, I could choose either, second or fourth. It was amazing. Um, but now I'd moved up, and it was, again, it was a gift. I was, I was working with a, um, a parachurch company by the, by the or, uh, ministry called Caleb Ministries, and, and with the job came a car, usually about 50 years old. And so after the Renault um, died, it, 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 it went to Wreckers Heaven. Uh, I, I inherited a Toyota Camry. Now, again, it was an old, old car, and it was an automatic, and somebody had said to me, you know, you just can't kill these things. And um, I thought, well, I'm, if that is true, I am the perfect person to test that fact. And I recall on one occasion, uh, some, somewhere between uh, Doncaster and Templestowe, um, smoke pouring from under the engine. And I thought, so that doesn't appear to be normal. And I, I pulled over and checked the dash and the no oil light, um, which had been flashing, I'd noticed, for the last month, was, was now on solid. So I figured the flashing was, here is, here is something that requires your attention imminently, like next six months or so. But it was now on solid and as smoke poured from the engine, I was able to quickly diagnose just myself without any assistance whatsoever that there was a problem under there and it possibly had to do with the oil. So fortunately, with this car came a free RACV membership. The RAC came, came along and, and he opened up the bonnet and he looked at it and he said, you've seized the engine, you've seized the engine. I said, ah, oh, is that bad? And he said, Normally fatal, but he said, this is a Toyota Crown. Let me try something. And he opens up the top of the engine and he goes over to his, to his vehicle. He just pulls out four litres of oil, comes back, he pours it into the engine and he closes it again and he says, try starting it now. And I all of a sudden thought, all right. So I start it and it just bursts to life again. And he said, don't try that with any other car. And possibly don't try that again with this one. <laughs> when that light blinks, that's telling you, telling you something. He said, you're very, very lucky. Toyota crowns, they just never give up. You know, the Christmas story is a story of a love that just won't give up. Like that Toyota crown, God's love just won't give up. John says it best perhaps in chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. Many of you know this verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting. We sometimes call it eternal life. God so loved the world. Did you know that you were loved? Did you know that? This Finding somebody to tell them that they are loved is a theme of so many, so many movies and so many stories, isn't it? Um, you, can, 
You can pick up most novels, and, and if it's a love story, it'll be about finding that perfect love. You can, you can turn on movies, and somebody who needs to be rescued will be rescued because of that love. Perhaps our, our children's favorite movie growing up was Finding Nemo. I still recall we were living in the U.S. at the time, and some friends of ours said, we want to take you to the movies. Great, great. Is it a family movie? Yes, it is. It's this brand new Disney movie. It's like no other. You know, all Disney movies, usually the one character that you don't want to play is the dad because within the first scene, the dad dies. Well, in this one, actually, he lives throughout the entire movie. It's incredible. Something Walt Disney could possibly have never had imagined. And so come on, it has got Australian accents in it. And we thought, you... Okay, you had us at Australian accents. Do you remember the turtle? Well, we, we lived in the US and we just craved an Australian accent. So we went along with our friends, the Petersons, and we, we went to watch Finding Nemo. I was, I was expecting to get a little bit of sleep and just a, just a quiet nap. I loved it, perhaps even more than the kids did. But it was that classic theme once again, wasn't it? There was the, the father. He'd, he'd lost his son. And he, he wasn't sort of thinking, oh, that's okay. Oh, remarry another clownfish and, and we'll have more? You know, what, what's the price of caviar? No, that wasn't his attitude at all. It was so, so different. It was, no, you know what? I've got to find my son Nemo. I have to find him at all costs. And so progresses the movie, the search from, of Marlon for his son Nemo. It's a classic story, a love that just won't give up. I guess it makes sense. We... We replicate that story again and again and again in um, our, our various stories and movies that we read. But it starts here in Scripture. The Christmas story is a story about a love that will not give up. In Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus talks about the love of the Father, and he uses three different illustrations to help us understand what kind of love won't give up. The first one is about a, a widow who's, who's lost a coin. Uh, she only has 10. In losing one coin, she has just lost a tenth of everything that she has. As a widow, there's nobody who's going to provide for her. She is in a bad situation. She searches the house. She searches everywhere. She must find that coin. Imagine looking for 10% of your superannuation, 10% of everything that you own. 10% of the sum total of, of your capital that you would want to retire. You would look hard, wouldn't you? She was looking hard and she found it. It was such good news. She, she shared it with her neighbors and there was so much rejoicing. And Jesus said, that's what it's like in heaven when something that is lost all of a sudden gets found. Let me illustrate this again. Then he talks about a shepherd. He's got 100 sheep. But as he does his evening count, he only gets to 99. I don't know about you. I'm probably not that great a shepherd. Oh, 99 is good. Well, it's more than 98, 97. Actually, 90 is pretty good. It depends what time of night it is and what we're having for dinner. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd close the door on 99, wouldn't you? Not this shepherd. No, not God. Not God the Father. His love is a love that will not get up. He has to find that one. And he goes out that night and he finds that one sheep. It's a love that will not get up. And then just to really make his point, Jesus tells the story, it's one of his most famous stories ever, of the prodigal son. There is a father, he's, he's got a couple of sons, but one of them, the oldest, perhaps the, the one that would most likely carry the family name and, 
and the dignity and the honor of the family, the one that would follow in his footsteps, instead becomes something of a rebel. He asks for his inheritance early and then he goes and lives a wild life and he just squanders it. You know the story. The amazing thing is Jesus tells the story, the thing that would have just so much had the attention of his audience is that finally the son in a distant land comes to his senses, decides, you know what? (laughs) I've squandered everything good that was ever given to me. Here I am just living with pigs and the pigs actually eat better than I do. What am I doing? What was I thinking? I've got to go home. I've got to go home. I've just got to trust that somehow my heavenly father will find a way, find a way in his heart to give me more than what I'm getting with these pigs. He heads home and the father is on the lookout for him. He's looking for his lost son every day, every day, just wanting him to come home. And then he sees him from a distance. And this is the thing that's surprising. The Jewish listeners to this this story would never have guessed this. This particular father, he sees his son coming home at a distance And it's as if he throws off all dignity and he runs to his son. You just did not do that. Not as a respected, honored father in a Jewish community, particularly one who has been disgraced by a rebel son. You just did not do that. But this father, he does it. He does it. And in that moment, he looks just like God. God who loves us so much that he runs to seek us out. A God whose love just will not give up. Paul, describing this in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, But when the set time had fully come, that is, for the gift of his son, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. God sent his son that we might receive adoption to sonship. God's love just never gives up. It never quits. It just won't. Notice here that God gave his son to us. Notice here in Galatians, Paul records that he sent his son. He sent his son to us to seek us out, to seek us out. One of the best football games I ever went to for a number of reasons, was as a young child, about 10 years of age, Carlton versus Collingwood. It was at Victoria Park. That's the Collingwood home ground. And well, you could probably, as a Carlton supporter, already guess why I'm beaming and why it was one of the best games ever. (laughs) Oh yeah. Anyway, halfway through the game, um, mum, who would always pack a thermos and cups of tea and so forth, well, I, I enjoyed a cup of tea at the footy as well, but all of a sudden I, I, I needed to, to use the facilities. And, and um, um, in those days, well, a 10-year-old could wander off by themselves and, and do that. But Victoria Park, I didn't really know that ground so well. And I remember going down the, down the stairs and into the corridor and just people hustling, people everywhere. And I, I got caught up in the crowd and I, and I turned right and, and right again and right again. I finally found the toilet. Great. When I came out, all of a sudden, right or left? Now, I've usually got a pretty good sense of direction. So I'm pretty sure I went left. But did I go did I go too far? Did I go too many bays? I really wasn't paying too much attention to the numbers. But when I came up again and I looked around, all the people had switched seats. They were different to the ones that used to be there. So I went back down again and, and sure enough, the next time I came up, 
they also had switched seats. Everybody, while I'd been down in the toilets, had switched seats. Everybody was in a different seat. It was crazy. I went down again and a little bit of panic started to set through. And after about four or five occasions, I thought, I'm lost. I'm lost. So I did what mum had always taught me to do, and that was go find a policeman. Maybe this is where it all started. I don't know. But I went and I, and I found a policeman and they took me to this little caravan that they had set up there and, uh, and, you know, just asked a few little questions and where did I think they were? And I said, well, I really don't know. And so this is what turned it into just the best day ever. A young constable said, all right, come with me. And he led me through the ground, through the members area. So cool. And then down onto the ground. So cool. I've never been on the ground before. And then when we were actually standing, football match going. I could have run out there any minute. Football match going. He lifts me up onto his shoulders and he takes me around the boundary line. And there I am up on his shoulders with the best view of anyone in the ground. It was fantastic. I've got to do this every match, I thought. And so as he led me around, he said, now you... Hey, 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 are you looking for your mother, aren't you? And look at that, that's John Nichols. Wow. And so you're looking for your mum, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Alex, just a week ago. So close, so close. It was amazing. Finally, up there in the stands, I did see my mum. I, I found her. You know what that, what that policeman was doing? He was connecting. He was connecting a little boy who was lost once again with his parents. That was the mission of Jesus. God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. Jesus was on a mission. That mission was all about a love that wouldn't give up. And God sent his son to search for me and to search for you. God sent his son to search for you. We get that sense in the opening chapters of Luke already Jesus isn't born, but all of a sudden, this, this son of God is having, having an impact. In chapter 1, all of a sudden, a, a priest, a good man, a godly man, a respected man, uh, Z- Zachariah, he's going into the temple on this one occasion, this, this very special occasion, to offer sacrifices, and, and all of a sudden, an angel appears to him. It says, your prayers have been answered. You and your wife, Elizabeth, are going to have a little baby, and he is going to prepare the way for the Lord. He goes home, and, and all of a sudden, Elizabeth too. They conceive a child. Jesus is not yet born, but already the gift of God's son is having an impact. Firstly, Zechariah, now Elizabeth. Then we read on in chapter 1, an angel appears to Mary. Mary, you are going to conceive a child, but, but not in an ordinary way. It is going to be done by the Holy Spirit. Firstly, Zechariah, now Elizabeth, now Mary's lives are impacted. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth reports, as soon as I heard your voice, the baby in my womb, John, we know he's going to be called John, he will be called John the Baptist, leapt for joy. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, now even John the Baptist, as a, as a baby unborn, is affected by Jesus. Um, we, we see the birth of, of John the Baptist. And now we, we have Joseph in chapter 2, all of a sudden guarding and guiding his little family so that there is protection. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, John the Baptist, now Joseph as well. The baby is born out there in the fields. There are shepherds, and they're just doing their thing, counting their sheep. 
98, 99, 100. These are good shepherds. And they're, they're, they're doing their thing, but all of a sudden, angels appear to them and announce this good news. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, John the Baptist, Joseph. Now shepherds, these shepherds, they go to visit the baby. They can't keep quiet about it. They've got to tell everybody. And so they do. They, they spread the word regarding this great thing. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, John the Baptist, Ah, uh, where else do we get? <laughs> Joseph, shepherds, now all the good residents of Bethlehem as well. And then at the right time, Luke tells us that they go to the temple. And now we've got Simeon. Simeon was a godly man. He had received a prophetic Lord, it was a prophetic word from the Lord that, that he would actually not die before he saw the consolation of Israel, the promised Messiah. And so there he is in the temple. Mary and Joseph walk in to present the baby. And he, moved by the Holy Spirit, comes to understand this is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the one that I have been expecting. And he bursts out into, into song. And then Mary, sorry, Anna, is also in the, table, in, in the temple. She's, well, the Greek can read one of two ways. She's 84 years of age, or she's been a widow for 84 years of age, got married at 13, and had been married for seven years, so she's 104. We actually don't know. 84, 104. Every day we know that she was in the temple courts, day and night, praying and fasting. Anna also, as a prophetess, saw Jesus. She understood who she was, the favour of God upon him, and, and prophesied over him. So now we have... All of a sudden, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, John the Baptist, Joseph, the shepherds, the good residents of, of Bethlehem. We have those at the temple. We have Simeon, Anna, and then the little boy Jesus ending off chapter 2. The little boy Jesus at the temple, Luke tells us, he even was amongst the company of the teachers of the law. Look at this. Jesus is not even yet a fully grown man, but already his impacting the whole world, one life at a time. He's seeking and saving the lost, one life at a time. It's a relentless pursuit. It's one that he will never give up on. Jesus is like a spiritual tornado moving through the whole region of Judea. Look, the Father is changing the world one life at a time. And now Luke says, and look, the Son is just like the Father, changing the world, the whole world, one life at a time. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, we read, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's a beautiful, beautiful definition of love. We're so confused about what love means today, aren't we? And yet here in this very, very special little verse, 1 John 4.10, we see a love that never wavers. It never wavers from the object. It never wavers from its pursuit of the person. But also we read there that Jesus was sent as an atoning sacrifice for what? For sin. It never wavers from the fact that, from truth, the truth about sin, that sin will hurt you. Sin will... Sin will eventually kill you. Sin blocks a relationship with God and it's got to be dealt with. And Jesus is the perfect atonement for that. God's love never wavers from the object of his love and it never wavers from the truth about love. 
This is the kind of love that we have been loved with, the love that will not give up. Perhaps we see how much like the father the son is in the story of Zacchaeus. You know that story. The disciples and Jesus are pressing, pressing on a particular journey. They're, they've got to get somewhere, and according to the disciples, they've got to get there fast. And as they push through a crowd, Jesus stops, and, and he looks up into a tree, and he, and he sees a little guy by the name of Zacchaeus. While eventually that moment, that little encounter will lead to, to hospitality in the home of Zacchaeus, it will lead to Zacchaeus himself feeling convicted about his sin, convicted about the fact that he has been dishonest. He basically has stolen from other people, feeling so convicted that he repents. In fact, so, so much so that he'll pay back people even four times what he has stolen from them. And it will result in the declaration by Jesus that today salvation, this man has been saved, salvation has come to this household. In chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, You see, this is my whole purpose. The Son of Man, I have come to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. You have been loved with a love that never gives up. You have been sought out by a love that will not waver. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. The last part of this verse is believes. Do you believe? It's an invitation. It's a question. Will you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe ultimately that God loves you with a love that never gives up? Do you believe that God has sought you with a passion that never wavers? Do you believe it? Do you believe he loves you with a love that will never give up he has sought you with a passion that never wavers. Quite simply, if Jesus can find a little man up a tree, wherever you're at today, whatever your situation is, no matter how hidden it might be from the rest of the world and even those who love you most, Jesus can find you. He loves you. He has sought you out. And he will find you. You could say that the birth narratives in, in Luke finish really around chapter 2. But there's an argument that it also finishes at the end of chapter 3 where the genealogy of Jesus is recorded. A little bit different to Matthew. It picks up more on Mary's line. There was no word for son-in-law in the Greek. And so we're, we're able to understand the fact that it's traced to Joseph that way. But there is a whole list of names, and you'll recognize many of these. Adam, for instance, you've probably heard of Adam, and Seth, and Enoch, and I'll just, I'll just hit on a few that are, are fairly fam familiar. Methuselah, Noah, Shem, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Boaz, Jesse, David, Nathan, Judah, Simeon, Levi, Zerubbabel, Matthias, Levi, Heli, and then, of course, Joseph. But the genealogy continues on and on and on. And do you know when it's finished? The genealogy finishes with your name. God loves you. He is seeking you. 
the genealogy of the family of God is not yet complete. Not yet. Not yet. Because there are still many, many that God is seeking to be a part of his family. His is a love that endures forever. His is a love that perseveres. His is a love that looks for that one coin, that one sheep, that one child who doesn't yet know how much they're loved. This Christmas, he's looking for you. He's looking for you. There's much to celebrate. God sent his son to look for you. And if you believe, you will, it's a promise, enter into eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning once more for this wonderful message. It's very, very simple. We have lost sight of what love really is. But here in the gift of your son, you remind us. Here is a love that never gives up. Here is a love that never wavers. Here is a love that is seeking out each and every one of us that we might become children of God. For those of us this morning who know this, who have believed these basic facts and placed our trust in you, oh, there's so much to celebrate. There's so much to celebrate. And I pray that as we continue to gather tomorrow night and Tuesday morning, that celebration will indeed be ours and it will bless your heart. But if there is anyone here this morning, Father, who has not yet understood the lengths that you have gone to to seek them out, we pray that they would come to know that. May even now you, through the work of your spirit, open up their heart and their mind to understand spiritual things, to understand how much they are loved, and to know that you are not some dispassionate observer of their hurt and their pain, but you're a loving father who is running to receive them in your arms. Bring them home, Heavenly Father, we pray, each and every one of us. Amen. <laughs>